Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast series. This is the first of the podcast focusing exclusively on the markets and this market series will come to you regularly every month henceforth. Bringing to you insights on the markets every month from experts is your host Parvata Vardhani. I am the editor of BL Portfolio Business Line Sunday feature on investments and personal finance. The expert speaker in this inaugural podcast on the topic Markets the Way Ahead is Mr. Krishna Kumar Karwa, Managing Director MK Global Financial Services. A chartered accountant, Mr. Karwa has rich and varied experience of over 28 years in all aspects of equity capital markets and leads the research, the PMS as well as the corporate advisory division at MK. Welcome Mr. Karwa to the podcast. The market did touch a peak in July but since then it's been a little bit wobbly, volatile, one day up, one day down, no clear direction. So if you have to uh, enumerate uh, three key factors that have led to this indecisiveness amongst uh, investors so what will those factors be and how long do you expect this uh, to continue thank you vardhani for inviting me for this inaugural uh, podcast sure. and uh, and look forward to a very interesting session with you for all your uh, listeners definitely <laughs> and uh, coming back to the markets uh, uh, vardhani if we have to go back slightly behind i mean look at let's look at it this way that between uh, march and uh, till july i think our nifty itself uh, ran up by almost 12% right. and uh, the small and mid cap indices also ran up by say almost 30% right and uh, we had robust inflows of almost fpi inflows mm. of between uh, 60 to 70000 crores uh, in the last 4 months till july mm. so and before that you know the markets were uh, there was a huge amount of outflows which happened before march mm. uh, outflows so i think what happened was that uh, you had a robust uptick in nifty small cap mid cap indices robust inflows mm. and if you look at the valuations also were kind of fair at around 22 23 times mm. uh, earnings as far as nifty itself was concerned that's right yeah so it's a very natural thing for market to take a breather Mm. and uh, which is what uh, we are witnessing in the last uh, say uh, 15 20 days of this month mm. so one is spi inflows have turned uh, negative uh, which is see, i think we have seen some 12 15 12 13000 crores of spi in outflows uh, which we have witnessed right i think what we are witnessing is also sectoral rotation mm. so uh, the nifty may look flat but mm. if you still look at the broader market i think they have still given some 5 6% kind of returns okay and there is uh, those sectors which did not do so well in the first 3 4 months like pharma it uh, to some extent even media and uh, reality sectors mm. so they picked up so to answer your question yes uh, nifty has uh, gone nowhere because if you look at it uh, if you look at the banks etc despite the best of results all the heavyweights uh, which form almost 40% of nifty weightage they exactly did not set the bosses on fire mm. so it expected that you know that will have its impact on nifty and that's what we are seeing that 
uh, that and even IT sector, there was some corrections, some disappointments. Mm. So Nifty is taking a breather, but uh, market buoyancy overall breadth of the market continues to be robust. Mm. Okay, okay. So but, uh, you had mentioned uh, about valuations in, in the March lows versus uh, the valuation in July. So today yeah. it's corrected a little bit. So today if we see the Nifty valuation, it's a trailing uh, 22 times or a one-year forward piece between 19 and 20. And if you see a long-term average of, say, 10 years, it's somewhat in line. So uh, people uh, would definitely like to know whether we would call the ex markets expensive today or is it cheap today or is it rightly valued today? How do you see it? See, markets are never in balance. I think mm. they will always tend to go to one extreme to the other. Mm. And uh, yes, currently we are at... Uh, we are at, I mean, at historical, if you look at it, then we are at fair value in terms of uh, the valuation on an overall nifty basis. Mm. So to that extent, you can say that, uh, yes, we are fairly valued and uh, markets are continuing uh, and markets are reflecting that in terms of sideways movements. So mm. markets are also looking at uh, new triggers in terms of uh, uh, further to for further uh, uptake in the markets. I think, and if you look at nifty itself, then as I said, IT and banking, which are large heavyweights, mm -hmm. I think they have to uh, show some movements uh, on the uptake for the Nifty to uh, finally break out of this, this range. Mm -hmm. And I think consolidation is a good enough thing. But okay. I would request your listeners to more focus on individual stocks and the opportunities that they bring than get taken in by the underperformance of, uh, or rather the consolidation which is happening in uh, nifty as we speak okay so i mean that is a better way to uh, go about it mm. and i think it's a very good sign i think the markets are uh, very very uh, mature mm. that they are not going into an overbought or a, uh, overvalued territory mm. which gives opportunities uh, for investors who have been waiting to enter my sense is that under there is a lot of under investment which is still there and there are a lot of investors waiting on the sidelines to enter the market if there is some decent correction okay and okay. Uh, let's see how it behaves okay okay so you're saying adopt a more uh, stock specific approach rather than looking at uh, valuations on a broader market basis absolutely absolutely i think uh, uh, there have been so many opportunities for investors to trade in the or rather invest in the broad market and uh, they have reaped the gains out of it i mean the, so i think better to be uh, stock specific uh, rather than uh, getting taken in by the consolidation which we are witnessing in the broad market okay okay so uh have you uh i mean without calling out any names so where mm -hmm. do you think the opportunities are today in terms of you know either sectorally or in terms of market caps yeah i think uh, i i would say uh optically it may look like that uh, the small cap mid cap uh, stocks have uh, uh, are overvalued versus the large caps. Mm. So that's uh, the sense that you get today. So mm. maybe if you're looking at a broad market cap basis, then uh, the opportunities in the large caps looks like and more attractive than the small and mid cap. Mm. That's one way to uh, look at it for a new in for new investments to be made. Mm. But having said that, if you look at sectorally also, I mean yes, the large cap banks and all. Uh, they are fully owned or very well owned and very well discovered. Mm -hmm. But there are a whole 
touch of tier two banks and mm. maybe some of the public sector banks also, uh, where the valuations are attractive, the growth, uh, the growth also is equally strong, and the balance sheets are as pristine as ever. Mm. So maybe that's where you will possibly see opportunities in the next uh, six to twelve months for investors to make decent gains. Mm. Even many of the NBFCs, including in in the housing finance or in the SME lending. Uh, they also seem to be doing very well mm. with very strong growth and uh, credit costs being very low. Mm. Some of these att attractively valued NBFCs also could be a very uh, interesting space to uh, invest in. Okay. Many auto ancillaries, I think, who have got their act together in terms of uh, getting the right EV exposure and and by getting the Good. benefit of the consolidation, etc., they also seem to be attractive even at current prices. So, mm. ancillary also you will find opportunities. Uh, yeah, and some of the contra sectors that you could possibly look at where there are headwinds and where valuations have come off because of the headwinds in the last one year has been in the agrochemical space and the specialty chemical space. So, where mm. uh, maybe I think uh, the, the industry is bottoming out in and maybe stock prices are possibly reaching attractive levels. Mm. So for patient investors, there could be an opportunity to uh, invest in uh, some of the top tier companies in uh, those sectors. Mm. Yes, everybody is investing in cab goods and railway stocks, but uh, I would be very uh, careful because they have run up a lot, That's so, right. mm. including defense companies. I don't deny the opportunity, but uh, everything is at a price. And maybe valuations have run ahead. So I would be very vigilant on investing in the flavor of the season kind of companies. Understood, understood. That was a very uh, detailed uh, account of what uh, one could possibly look at uh, in today's markets. So if we look at the first quarter results, uh, sir, so quite uh, a significant uh, a uh, trend is that the revenue growth, uh, say for India Inc., we did a study of uh, 1,500 uh, companies about uh, one or two weeks back. So the revenue growth stands at, at best at mid uh, single digits, but uh, cost savings uh, from lower raw material costs had aided uh, profits. So profit growth almost stood at 45 to 50% uh, on the aggregate. How do you look at these results and how do you see demand going in the next three, four quarters? Yeah, on an aggregate basis, what you say, I agree with you. But some mm. of the sectors where there has been decent volume growth has been like cement has done well. Mm. Uh, autos have also done well. Mm. So I think it's better to look at yeah uh, on an individual sectoral basis. But mm. on an aggregate basis, what you say is a cause of concern that uh, mm. uh, you don't you seem to be having poorer volume growth versus uh, the realization. I mean. Uh, profitability has been strong because mm. of uh, falling raw material prices, etc. Mm. So my sense is that what uh, uh, we as investors are also keenly looking at in terms of uh, whether the second half of the year volume will pick up specifically in FMCG where uh, rural India, there are talks that there are green shoots of recovery over there and volume should pick up in the second half of the year. So that mm. is something which we are all uh, eagerly awaiting and so is the case in many consumer durables where also there seems to be a distinct uh, uh, slowdown maybe right. it is because of sometimes uh, uh, maybe pent-up demand was there earlier so that has happened and now it's now all plateauing or it's becoming natural normal or maybe because of 
unseasonal range, etc., which impacted some of the product uh, uh, categories. So that could be there. So yes, I think uh, there's some kind of a, a back to normal return. Uh, I mean, post COVID return to normalcy, which is happening in some of the mm-hmm. uh, some of the sectors. Here, mm-hmm. I would just like to add is that uh, I mean, if you look at uh, premium consumption, so whether mm-hmm. it is uh, uh, so all those premium categories they continue to do well, and their volume growth seems to be strong. So that is something which markets will have to uh, take note of that mm. is somewhere this K-shaped recovery, which was there in the ecosystem is becoming stronger by the day and companies which focus on the premium segment of the market, they continue to do well. And it's the, the challenge is on the lower segment of the market. Mm. Okay. So as you were rightly mentioning, I, I, I thought I will follow up on this uh, mm-hmm. uh, trends in consumption. So as you were rightly mentioning, uh, a nascent uh, recovery in rural and uh, consumer durable, some portions already is, is not so, so great demand. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have, uh, we seem to have uh, one or two headwinds uh, coming up in the form of uh, inflation and then uneven and volatile monsoons uh, countering the rural recovery then how do you see this uh, consumption leg of the economy? Like, especially, uh, you know, as you say, the uh, non-discretionary part, if I can say that. So how do you see this panning out for the rest of uh, 2000, uh, FY24? Uneven monsoon or uh, deficient monsoons is a reason uh, for concern and uh, mm-hmm. it could impact uh, agri prices and have its all negative implications as far as inflation is concerned. No doubt about it. But having mm-hmm. said that, uh, I think uh, today rural India, what I understand is that uh, maybe 30-40% of their income is dependent on agriculture, but uh, mm. more than 60% of their income is dependent on non-agriculture, which is livestock and infrastructure related work and the likes, I think. So maybe the impact on income levels of rural India may not be as uh, severe as we normally tend to believe whenever monsoons are... Uh, uh, monsoons are not spread out well, or whether are deficient monsoons. So, to that extent, I believe we are in, we are getting into a phase where uh, state governments and uh, central government will be aggressive in their spending mm. as we approach the election. So, there will be a lot of liquidity, a lot of opportunity, a lot of work which will flow uh, more in the uh, rural India than urban India. So, okay. to that extent, I am very hopeful and uh, positive that uh, the uptick in rural India demand, yes, there will be challenges as far as uh, uh, deficient monsoons or uh, unequally spread out monsoons can create, but maybe the other extraneous factors will overcome that and demand should pick up in rural India broadly. Okay, okay, sir. We did uh, speak on, you know, what you expect on two, three fronts for FY24. So if you look at consensus estimates, be it those put out by brokerages or even Bloomberg consensus, most of them kind of uh, estimate a 15 to 20% earnings growth in FY24 for the Nifty. So do you think this is achievable? Or is it very ambitious? So my sense is that if you look at the various components of uh, Nifty, where banking and uh, allied services i think that becomes a big percentage which is almost 40 percent plus mm. and there i don't think so we have any 
challenges as far as earnings projections are concerned mm. in terms of uh, credit growth in terms of yes it is some name pressure will be there but that is already factored in and credit costs etc i think the credit cycle has just started underwriting standards are very stringent so even credit cost should not show up so mm-hmm. that part of the earnings uh, projections are all uh, in the back kind of you know in terms of there should not be too many disappointments mm-hmm. i think uh, as far as it sector is concerned there could be communications are always very strong from it companies in terms of what they expect etc so my sense is that there could be some disappointments in that part of the nifty in terms of the earnings per se okay otherwise uh, if you look at consumer companies or you look at auto companies i would imagine that uh, broadly it will be in online in track or maybe slightly positive uptick you could see as far as the profits of many of these companies are concerned so on a net net basis i would tend to think that uh, the earnings projections for nifty we shouldn't be disappointed and broadly we are on track to achieve that growth okay so you're saying a early double digit kind of growth should be doable absolutely okay okay so i had uh, two three questions on the uh, influence of international developments on the indian markets because you know these days it's all about uh, you know what's happening globally now uh, we read a lot about this uh, us uh, treasury yields rising beat the two year or the 10 year yield whichever one that we are watching now uh, the question on everyone's uh, minds is will the rise in treasury yields actually affect flows into equities in india yeah i think uh, it is one of the factors uh, which is important uh, as far as the flows into emerging market funds is concerned but it's mm-hmm. not the only factor that works at any point of time i mm-hmm. mean that's the one way to uh, look at it i think uh, so yes uh, you you tend you do tend to see some uh, uh, more inflows into various emerging market funds or into equity funds per se globally whenever uh, interest rates are on the lower side versus when they move up so right. that you have to be there but i think india is an opportunity uh, is a unique case by itself where i don't know how there is not a single country of our similar size which is expected to grow at some 6-7% real GDP growth for many years to go about, come about and the variety of uh, sectors and investment opportunities which it presents uh, uh, to any emerging market investor. Mm. So I would say that uh, in retail investors or investors, yes, should be cognizant of uh, important global macros uh, which could possibly have some impact on FPI inflows. Mm. But finally, what, what boils down to is uh, the valuations and the opportunities of the various stocks mm. that you own and how can their fundamentals be uh, impacted uh, owing to global factors. Mm. So I strongly believe that. And plus also you need to appreciate that uh, we have almost what 14 to 15,000 crores of uh, SIP inflows uh, which has now become the norm. So mm. retail India continues to uh, put its money into its into India into the Indian stocks, and and there is a long way to go. So okay. global factors are important. We cannot ignore them. But I think the domestic savings, which are regularly now moving into Indian equities, mm. that has become a very important balancing factor, and which is also reflected now in the domestic institutional ownership of Indian equity mm. is at uh, all-time high versus the other way around as far as FPI holding, FPI ownership. 
Mm. My sense is the importance of, you cannot deny the importance of FPI, but uh, the domestic investors, whether through mutual fund, insurance companies or directly, now they are coming into their own mm. and they are becoming a very important factor. So broadly look at domestic fundamentals, look at domestic flows, keep an eye on overseas flows, interest rates, but don't get taken in. Okay. Okay. So you did say that global uh, uh, factors uh, should be kept a watch on. I think this applies equally to the Chinese uh, slowdown, isn't it? So uh, is India going to be a big beneficiary or is there another side to the story? I think uh, the way to look at it is that if the number two economy in the world is slowing down and uh, number one economy itself is going through its own challenges. Mm. So collectively, it's very important that uh these two will have a major impact on how the global economy grows so mm. to that extent yes uh, there will be challenges on global demand for so your many exports uh, will get impacted and if there is a massive slowdown in china which what we are witnessing then maybe they will be forced to uh, export at uh, below market prices so that will also have an impact so mm. we cannot ignore the slowdown and the financial challenges that the Chinese economy seems to be going through. Mm. But having said that, I think uh, uh, we can't look to just uh, sell Indian companies or stocks that we own just because there is a global slowdown. I think we have to look at many more other factors before we take a call on buying or selling a single stock mm. or an individual stock. But okay. yes, China slowdown is a very important uh, consideration that we should be uh, looking at very regularly keeping a track of it okay and okay. how it will impact various sectors and all that right 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 so one last uh, question which is you know it's always uh, intriguing if investors you know look at the rule book and uh, uh, see that in india <clears throat> earnings yield uh, on equities is always lower than the benchmark uh, bond yields uh, which may not be the case in the US, for example. So for the risk that the investor takes, uh, he still gets a lower yield. But money still uh, flow into equities in India. So why is this so? And do you see it changing at all? I don't think so. It's changing uh, in the near term because I think the amount of the underinvestment which is there in financial assets as far as the Indian savings are concerned and the mm. under ownership in Indian equity mm. is so high. And uh, I think that is, and plus the growth that uh, the Indian economy and consequently the Indian companies which they show mm. is far, far superior than the growth that the average company in the US uh, shows and their investment or I mean the ownership is reasonably high as far as the US savings are concerned. Okay. Uh, which is invested in into equity. So I think you'll have to look at both the things. So my sense is that in the foreseeable future, this will continue to uh, remain a situation where uh, savings will continue to flow into Indian equities. Having said that, you know the size of the bank deposits that Indian investors own. So mm. there is only a small shift which is happening into Indian equities. So it will continue. And mm. uh, the Indian companies are growing far, far superior. Mm. So that growth compensates for uh, the loss of yield. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so I think, uh, uh, the, and this is again part of asset allocation where because ownership is so low as far as equity is concerned, I think this will continue for some time. Okay, okay. Uh, Mr. Carver, it was very interesting uh, talking to you. A lot of uh, questions on uh, uh, every equity market investor's uh, 
mind i think uh, this uh, podcast would have addressed thank you so much uh, for taking out time and uh, uh, speaking to our uh, listeners we will uh, definitely circle back to you once again at an appropriate time uh, to get uh, your uh, uh, thoughts on uh, markets uh, thank you very much thank you thank you vardhani thank you for inviting me and it was a pleasure chatting up with you and thank i hope you. that uh, your uh, listeners had a, a good 20 minutes yeah sir Thank you listeners for the patient hearing we hope you have benefited greatly from this uh, conversation with Mr Krishna Kumar Karwa if you do like this podcast please subscribe to business lines the state of the economy podcast and also share it in your circles thank you